Welcome back, sports fans. It's Speaking Up Sports. I'm your host, Ray Scipione, high atop the Grimly Financial Studios. I am with Chad the Wiz Grimly and the boss, the godfather, Chuck Grimly. And it's first round, second round, see you later, <laughs> 76. <laughs> Call for your tickets for next season. <laughs> oh my God, guys! I, uh, Are you kidding me? Let me just We're say, going right now. listen. Yep. I, I I hate to give the guy credit, but let's go back. God, two years ago, three years when he first got here. Oh, uh, a very young and a very uh, a spry Chuck Grimley said, "Quote." Harden is an absolute bust, and I couldn't believe it. And here we are. Oh, God. I, I don't know what's worse. Is, is Harden's play or trying or trying to listen and beat that? We, we need more. I can't do everything. I do everything. You know what Stop. You're killing me. Keep going. It's your show. It's the Ray Shippiote show. Keep going. No, no, I don't know. I mean, I can't do everything in the contract year for the beard. Yeah, come on. Can you do a little hard and say this is our first time together? Like Boston's had Boston's had four years. But hey, we had a great season. We only had one year together. So we had a great year. Yeah. You know, if they give this guy a max contract. I, well, I, I don't even think we're going to get to that because first I think coach is going. Uh, the the second doctor uh, of uh, Philadelphia is going. And uh, I'm hearing that uh, your boy Hinky might be gone. I'm hearing well, – no, I'm not hearing anything. My, my uh, instinct is telling me that Doc stays and Harden gets signed in, in Philly. Um much to my own dismay, but I think that's – listen, when you look at the way they shoot in game seven and part of game six, you can only blame, in my opinion, the players. I mean, I don't know how much coaching scheme meant anything for a team that clearly did not show up. And you have one of the players, Harris, alluding to that. He's insinuating that they, they weren't mentally ready to play. Do, do they? Maybe it's this. If you're a sixer – and you're coming home to wrap it up in game six at home, do you feel that because you didn't get it done that you're not going to win game seven and therefore you're not confident, you're not really into it? You just Yeah, and, I, and I'll tell you why. And and that 80% of the, that's why 80% of the people that win game five win the series. Yeah. Because you choked it. You know, if you lose, you choked it home. And now you got to go on the road and try to win a game seven. You know, they lost by 26. It it, it could have been 46. It wasn't that close last night. Imagine I I was at dinner. I hope everybody had a great Mother's Day. I I, I did. And then, and with little Eva Rose, and I hope everybody had a great Mother's Day. It was a beautiful day. Mary and I ended up at Capitol Grill. We're having dinner. And we made sure that we had the seat in the bar to see the game. And watching this in the third quarter with the starters in there and down like 30, and, and I'm saying to Marion, how hard is it to keep your starters in? I'm not sure in the beginning of the fourth quarter. I don't pull the entire team. Looked out at the Boston bench, tipped my cap, pulled my starters, then they pulled their starters, and let the subs play the fourth quarter because you're, you're not coming back down 28 or whatever the hell it was. It's just not going to happen. But – um Hey, listen, you, you look at the shooting percentage from three at like 22% and an overall shooting percentage, I think 34%, whatever, just abysmal. And uh, you have to shoot. So I don't know how much you blame the coach. Uh, I really don't. You know, you heard him in game six say during the timeout in the huddle, hey, guys, you're not running the plays. Now you making that up. Nobody said, hey, coach, you're not giving us any. He said, you're not running the plays. Run the damn plays. You know, they got plays. You know, if they're not running them, they're not shooting. How much is it the coach, you know? But, guys, listen, and I, I want to kick it to uh, the Wiz. The Wiz. And get his thoughts. But, wait, how do you score, Chad, 45 in game one without Embiid? 
okay? And then you kind of disappear. You know, I, I'll give you the second game, but how do you disappear after that? Does that mean these two can't play together? Because Embiid's just that big, of, you know, he's got to get the ball, uh, even though he, you know, he kicked it out to Harden to, to get the, the win. And, and let me tell you, they were a, a, a millionth of a second from losing yeah, uh, yeah. Great second point. game yeah. at home. Nobody's saying that. You know, that. that ball goes in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nobody's saying You know, that. I'm not really sh- sh- sure how to really assess the combination of, of Embiid, Harden, other than obviously it's not working. But you look at some no. of the way some of those games ended, and you, get, you had P.J. Tucker you know, right in Embiid's ear, and Embiid's not asking for the ball. And you know, he's just... He wasn't that aggressive guy that you really needed you know, your start to be, and obviously Harden isn't that guy anymore. Every you know five games or so, he'd have that forty pointer, but he wasn't. Neither of them were were what they needed to be. And if we told you that going into what was it, game six, Tatum was going to have a pretty terrible first three quarters, how could the Sixers not win that game? And that yep. was the opportunity. Their, their star was struggling, but. And we just we just couldn't deliver. And then obviously in the fourth quarter, Tatum absolutely took over. And then Game Seven was you know was its own thing. That third quarter of of, uh, of Game Seven was just a mess. It looks like the Sixers gave up when it was the I think twenty five to three run, turnover right. after turnover. Just it was bad. It was just it was so, really bad. Let, let, one last thing, and then we'll get to the fightings. So, do you think Doctor J and Iverson? Can you imagine if they didn't touch? Well, first of all, they would have touched the ball because they would have demanded it. And I, I think Iverson, Iverson might have stabbed someone if they didn't give him the ball. In the last four minutes, I think you would have only seen Iverson shoot the ball, number one. That's, that's hilarious. Yeah. Because that was the knock on him. He was too much of a ball hog, and he wasn't a team player. But guess what? The guy was a winner. The guy put up, teed up, put 60 up in the playoffs. 46. I mean, that's what's missing. And that's what, that's what stars do. Stars take the, they take the game over in when it's late in the game. Yeah. They take over the entire game. Yeah. Tatum's done it. Yeah. You see, you know, Curry had 50 points in his game seven, I believe it was. So it's just what you do. That's what good players do. They take over the game and they show you why they are the best of the best. Sometimes the stats matter. You got to look back and say, okay, what's in beat look like statistically? Field goal percentage, uh, 2020-21, 51%, 48% last year, 45% in 1920, uh, 43% in 2017-18, so I've given you a little uh, index there, 43% in 2023. Not You should hit the button, bud, right there on that, you know, right there, you know, boom, that button, uh, get ready because you'll be able to use it now. Three point likes to take his three point shots. Why? Why? Because uh, he hit thirty nine percent of them in twenty twenty one. So he remembers that he can hit the three. But how did he do last year? Twenty one percent from three. And how did he do this year? Seventeen percent from three. Joel Embiid should not take the three point shot. Okay. So when you have that data working against you, someone has to say. Given the statistics, anybody else taking the three in that rotation is better, especially when he shoots them early, which he likes to do. So you're not shooting them because who knows if two three-point shot attempt misses are going to cost us a game. All right, somebody else could make them, and that's six points. So don't take any because statistically the last two years, and I think that's over like 45 of them. That's a, that's a decent body of, of, of sample size. So, Joel, you're not taking the three-point shot. If you do that, if you let the data correct a lot of other aspects of the players' games, hey, who knows the bottom line? Why would Embiid be shooting the three? You know, it, it's ridiculous. The playoff uh, basketball is so much different than the regular season. I mean, Embiid during the regular season from three, Last year, 37%. Year before that, 37%. Wow. This year, 2022-23, 33%. Career, 34%. Joel Embiid sure. thinks, thinks he can shoot the three-point shot. 
Not yeah. in the playoff, you can't. Here is your playoff data. Here is your regular season data. Memorize it because we all know it's a cliche. It, it's worn out, blue in the face. Oh, my God, the NBA. So much better in postseason, regular season. What do they mean by that? Defense. Nonstop in your. It's so fun to watch that you can't get a free shot. The only free shots come when somebody really good like Harden is driving and kicks it out to the corner. And uh, you have to play the help D, so you do have to go down on the ball with another yep. guy. Yeah, you know, and uh, we we missed a lot. I mean, how many corner shots did what was it? PJ Tucker. We hit and at he, first. I think every single one that he shot hit the outside rim and just kicked away. I'm like, yeah, there's so many wide open shots, and every time Boston got that opportunity, they couldn't miss. And when Tatum went off in that quarter in the third quarter yesterday. Everything looked like it was bottom court. I mean, it looked like I was watching a video game player. He just pulled up and just <laughs> drilled everything. Yeah, well, I mean, the name of the game. Now, just so we keep everything uh, clear here, Tucker was three for six in three-point land, uh, and he had 11 points. So I think he hit two straight early on a hardened kickout, uh, and you're like, oh, my God, this guy's got six points. And actually, he's got like 11 points in the first quarter or something like that. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, God, he's going to be the leading scorer for the day. Uh, but overall-wise, when it's all said and done, they're 8 for 37 from 3. And the reason I predicted that they would make it to the NBA Finals is I, I honestly believe they would not have that deficiency this year. They've had every other year. I thought they would would continue to knock down the threes. And it didn't. The other team did. Team that does wins. It's that simple. It's that simple. But we got Frank coming up. We got an intro in 10, got a couple of minutes. But the other thing I would have done yesterday, knowing Tatum was humiliated coming off the game Thursday night, I'd have had two guys up at his grill, Ray, sure. everywhere he went. And yeah. if they want to give the ball to the big stiff, if they want to give the ball to the other guy, go ahead. Go ahead. Because Tatum's not going to beat us today. That would have been my culture of that game. Tatum isn't going to get the ball. Deny him out front. I'll bring subs in to play D. I don't care what we got to do. Run him ragged. Two guys. Deny him the ball. If he ends up with 22, that won't win the game for him. All right? But if he ends up with 51, they'll probably win. I would absolutely dog uh, Tatum. I hope I said Tatum every time I use the name. I would have dogged him everywhere, man. How, how bad do you miss Iverson now? Yeah, but you're going back to ancient history. Why don't we talk about Will Chamberlain? Not ancient yeah. history. Yeah. What are you, Not Oscar ancient Robinson? History. It's a guy. No, it's the last guy in Philly that had a pair of balls that put the <laughs> team on his back. <laughs> Listen, Joel, 7-2, and that's another thing. Seven two. Yeah. Hey, listen. Okay. Why don't you uh, give us a little quick intro on our on our guest today? I'm pretty uh, excited. I'm, you know, I'm going to bury him. He don't even remember me, but he'll remember me. <laughs> Frankie Manichino. He's from uh, Staten Island, Long Island, one of the islands that isn't really an island you want to go visit. <laughs> uh, he did play for. Uh, well, he got. Uh, uh, went to Alabama, yeah. got drafted by the Sox, traded to Oakland. He played for Oakland and Toronto in the big leagues. Career 240 hitter, 300 hits, uh, 5.3 war. Uh, seven years, so he's getting a check. Um, and he played for Team Italy in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, most recently, hitting instructor for the Marlins, uh, Chicago and uh, New York. Yankees, that is. Um, Interesting crazy, guy. crazy guy. He was, like I said, he was in the movie Moneyball. Uh, for for kind of got in trouble for fooling around as they were, you know, on a losing streak. Right. He's just a funny, crazy New York guy. Let's have some fun. Let's be a little crazy because our listeners say we like it when you guys are busting and having a blast. They like it. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Frank. Coach, this is uh, Chuck Grimley. Thank you for joining us today. We're with uh, Chad Grimley, my son, co-host, and Ray Scipioni. Take it over, Ray. Yeah, you don't remember me, huh? <laughs> no, when did we play together? You drove me home from uh, Ohio after we won the national championship, you and your father. Oh, you played for Steve Bort? Yeah. 
Yeah, Holy you drove me to cow. New Jersey. You drove me home to New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> I was out, I was the outfielder. That's all right. Oh my god! I guess I guess you didn't make an impression, huh? What were you zero for forty, uh, Ray, in that tournament? No, I, I actually I, I I almost choked the head coach though. I, we got drunk <laughs> one night. We got Here drunk we go. one night. Uh, remember we had a remember remember he hired somebody to watch us. <laughs> yeah, <he> really. <laughs> Here we go. That didn't work out too good. <laughs> Listen, we went nine and zero. We used to do this chant on the bus. This uh, yeah, the Dominican <laughs> song. The Dominican song. You remember that? Yeah, I remember it. I could still do it now. Go ahead, guys. I know, me too. Go ahead, Ray. Give us some. No wait, no. Frankie used to sing. He used to sing. She don't live in Manhattan. Brooklyn, <laughs> He's a Brooklyn swinger. No, we had, I'm going to tell you something. We had two two or three major leaguers on that team. Jeffrey Hammonds was in center. Wow. Yeah. You, were, you were the catcher. Well, we had J.J. Pecola, J.J. GM Pecola. for the Royals. Yep, that's who I stayed with, me and J.J. Cherry Hawesky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, man. And uh, how you been? I saw you in Trenton. I came to a Trenton game, and you were uh, with the Yankees then. Yeah, I was there oh nine, ten, and eleven, and yep. then I went to AAA in Scranton, and nice. then out of the blue, I got the Miami hitting coach job. I didn't even know anybody over there. Here's a funny story: um, I'm sitting on my couch in October, and my my roommate from college, uh, Gino, he's my accountant, and I've been calling him about some stuff, and I'm sitting on the couch, and it's like two weeks I haven't talked to Gino. And I, uh, the phone rings, and I look, and I see a 305 number, and I answer the phone. And I won't say what I really said, but I was like, where the hell have you been? Man, I, I, I've been calling you for two weeks. And all of a sudden, I hear someone laughing on the phone. And I look at the number, and he goes, Frank, this is Mike Hill with the Miami Marlins. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I, I thought you were my accountant. And he's like, oh, that's no problem. Uh <laughs> Hey, we want to interview you for the uh, hitting coach job for the Miami Marlins, and I was I was like, oh, okay. And you know, he talked to me a little bit, and he goes, "How about Tuesday?" This was Sunday. I said, "Yeah, sure." You know, we go, we can meet at Jeffrey Loria's apartment in Manhattan, and we'll sit down. I was like, "Yeah, sure, no problem." All right, just call me back and give me a time. He's like, "Yeah." I got on the computer. I'm looking around. I'm like, I don't know any of these guys. Oh my God. They're awful. <laughs> awful right? The numbers are terrible. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. And then he calls me back. He goes, how about Tuesday? Uh, two o'clock. And I was like, okay. And I started panicking. I never had a big league interview or nothing. I don't know what they're going to ask me. Right. And I was looking over that computer so fast. I just slammed it down. And I said, the hell with it. I'm going to tell them what I think. Tell them exactly how I would do things, and that's it. I get it. I get it. I don't. I don't. That's right. I wind, I wind up getting it. Now, in that interview, Frank, does, how long is an interview like that? Is that two hours? Have it. What does it consist of? It was three hours. Three hours. Wow. Okay. Of questioning right. scenarios. Right. Now I I hear nowadays. Yeah. It's like eight hours. You got to go wow. yep. and talk to the. You got to go and talk to all these different analytic people and all this and all that. And some good hitting coaches haven't gotten jobs because they're intimidated. The guys who are there in the analytics or this and that, and they might prove what they're trying to say wrong. That's it's a, really right. sad. That's a pretty good right. p- place to pivot, Frank. Let's talk about the hitting coach's job and how much of a blend of analytics, obviously you have to rely on a lot of the data that you're seeing with analytics. How much of it is did you use? How much of it was, you know, instinct? And just talk about the blend of hard analytics and uh, hitting coaches, you know, wisdom and skill. You know, as far as I'm concerned, analytics is data. Yeah. It is information. Yeah. We used to call it the back of the baseball card. Uh-huh. The guy is who he is over, you know, over a course of three years, I believe in the big leagues after 1500 at bats, you kind of get a feel for who the guy is, right? He's had to make adjustments. He's had to go back and forth. He's he, the league adjusts, he adjusts, the league readjusts, he readjusts. And then they start to define who they are as a player. And now you start to get hard 
hard evidence on what they do, where they cover in the zone, when they're going good, what do they do? When they're going bad, what do they do? And it's a constant battle. I call it the game within the game. Yeah. You've got to play the game within the game. Some teams own you, some teams you kill. Figure out why. But in the process, you could never lose your strength. If you're good at doing something, you could never lose that in order to get better at something else. And a lot of kids get a misconception of that, especially the ones that want to be great. They want to do it all. Right. You know? So what but, does, what, what does like, Stanton, you were there the year he hit, what was it, 59 homers, Chuck? Yeah. 55? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So what does, what does Stanton say to you? Does he come to you and say, yeah, Frankie, I, don't, I just don't feel, you know, something's wrong? Or I'm Stanton awful. would say nothing. It's like getting water out of a rock. <laughs> and, you know, he was, he was, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to do it my way. Really? And he was a guy that if I'm swinging and missing at 90, I'm turning the machine up to 99 and I'm going to practice that. So he was always an exaggerator, I call it. Right. A football mentality. I'm going to practice it so hard that when the game comes, it's easy. Right. Well, that doesn't always work that way. It doesn't, you know, it, it, it's not, sometimes you got to work on just what you need to do. Yeah. So, you know, I would leave Stanton alone and I would, it's funny because sometimes I would talk to a player in front of him right. and, I, and I would tell the player, listen, I'm going to tell you this, 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 and this. It has nothing to do with you. Right. Right. So you'd hear it. It's, I want him to hear it. And he would sit there and that? listen. How about that? Wow. How about that? That's how- And I knew he was listening and I would rip this player a new ass. I would rip him. You know, you, we could do this all day. You could do this all week, but I promise you it's not going to get better. And, Stanton will listen. And then finally, you know, me, me and Stanton had a great relationship where I could just flat out come in the room and say, listen, Mike, this shit ain't working. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't know what you're thinking about, but here's where you need to get. Here's where you need to do. You watch this video all day long. Do you know what you're looking at? Right. Are you looking for problems? Are you looking at your good video? You know, we would go back and forth, so we had a good relationship where I could get get on them, and we could actually argue in the cage. I mean, flat out argue. Well, what about them? And it was good because it was open communication. It was like, you know, you're talking with, you know, one of your friends where you could yell at each other, and then okay, let's get to let's find a solution. It was never like, oh, I'll do it myself or I'll do this or you know, it was a good relationship, and I had that with a lot of my hitters because. I try to teach them to eliminate me, not depend on me. That's a lot of coaches want the players to depend on them. Sure. Right. You know, I do the opposite. I teach Keep them. Job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I care about the player getting better. And when it's their idea, they don't forget it. When it's my idea and it's my movement and I'm telling you, you have to do this. They don't remember it. So I teach them the concepts. I, you know, teach them through, you know, objective learning, go and do it. And I'll give you the situation. I want you to drive the ball to right center. I want you to backspin the ball to left center. You go figure out the contact point and where you need to be. I'll help you, but you got to figure out your contact point, the feel of the swing. Because nowadays, all you hear these guys say, oh, it don't feel right. It don't feel right. Well, guess what? You've been doing it wrong so long. It's not going to feel right. And when you're chasing a feel, that's big trouble. You should be chasing the. You should be chasing what the ball is telling you. The ball doesn't lie. I don't need. I don't need the track man and stuff to tell me to spin on. I could see it. And if people say that they can't, ask any hitting coach. Ask Charlie Manuel if he could tell what the ball is doing. So, every hitting coach knows what's going on. The ball tells you everything, how you're hitting it. Wow, Frank, this is tremendous, man. We didn't expect this kind of de- – this is good stuff, right? You, you, right. <laughs> no, I know. And, and I think the, the reason you got the job also is they need a guy that's not going to take any shit and a guy that's going to tell you, listen, you know, not for nothing. You, you're not going to sweet talk anybody. You know what I mean? And, and these guys need that. They don't need a friend. It's like you said. You, you went yeah. in and argued with Stanton and said, yo – 
you're, you're watching all the videos, you still ain't doing it right. So, you know, what are you looking at? You know what I mean? Well, you got to build that relationship. My players know I'm available anytime, three in the morning. There's times when I had players in the cage after a game, we're in the cage, not saying one word to each other. Wow. Not one word. I put the ball in the tee. I feed the machine. Frank, can you meet me in the cage? And I know what it's about. I know. Me and Shea Hillebrand would sit in the cage in Toronto with a 12-pack with a of beer, not say a word to each other, drink six beers and leave, and then the next morning, the next day, show up and Stop. just look at each other and laugh. It's a highlight in three I years. Mean, that is amazing, Frank. That's, yeah. There's sometimes when you just bite. leave. I cannot leave this place. I have to just hit till I'm tired and go home. Oh, that's such priceless insights there none of us know that crap that is so good yeah we're gonna have you on for an hour one show where all we want you to do is give us the back <laughs> stuff you know now when a guy yeah. like stanton's gone bad and i know it's not one thing but is it mm-hmm. chiefly pitch selection and swinging outside the zone not keeping the hands in you know it's get approach it. it's approach, approach. Okay, explain that. Explain approach. Where am I looking? Where am I looking and what am I going to do to it? If I get in the box and I get in and I don't feel good and I'm like, okay, he might throw strike one. You step out, you get back in the box, okay, are my hands in the right plate? My feet, strike two. Because when you're in a slump, it's always 0-2. You're not ready ready. to hit. You're late getting started. That is 99% of the time why guys are in slump and they're fouling their ball off. They're late on the fastball way out front on the off speed. You know, there's, there's reasons for that. And it's because the simple words that are said all the time, just see it and hit it. Well, you have to get ready to see the ball and you have to get ready to see the ball in your zone more than ever. Now with these guys throwing harder, you know, and throwing a lot of off speed, you need just as much time to see a 99-mile-an-hour fastball as you do to see a slider up in the zone, the ones that's hittable, not just go to it, not just, okay, I'm sitting slider. They start late, and they just go, and that's where you get all these ground balls, softly hit balls, and swing and misses. When I was taught, you always get ready for the fastball, and you'll hear guys take it even, stay on the fastball. What they mean is always stay on fastball timing because you need the time to see the ball before you hit it. Well, you, you hear a lot in baseball. You hear the announcer go, he was guessing, he was guessing. And, and I guess my question was, do you see a lot of that? And I guess you kind of answered that when you're saying these guys aren't sitting fastballs. They are maybe sitting a slide or something off speed. The major league players today with average speeds, 96, 98, 100, have to guess or can they react? I think it, they, can, they, can react. they can react. You get used to the velocity. You get used to the velocity. Where you go, where you go wrong? See, everyone, you know the word guess, right? Mm-hmm. In reality, I'd be an idiot if I told you that nobody guessed. They just they just uh, sat fastball. All the good hitters, none of them guessed. They just sat fastball, or they sat on certain pitches. Yeah. Listen, you're guessing every time you get in the box, but there's a there's there's different ways to guess, right? Am I guessing where where you guess? Okay, I'm sitting. I know this guy's going to throw me an off-speed pitch. I'm sitting on this off-speed. Can you take a fastball down the dick when you're looking <laughs> off-speed? Because you have to be able to. You can't do both. Right, right. So am I able to take a fastball sitting on a slider? Am I able to sit fastball, see spin, and shut it down? Shut it down. Because a lot of the times when a guy is sitting fastball, and Scherzer hangs a slider right down the middle, and you think it's a fastball because you don't see Scherzer's spin. You don't see the spin, the rotation on his slider. Those guys would knock down sliders. You don't see the spin, and people sit there and go, how did you swing at that? Well, it's a strike to ball, and you don't see the spin. Correct. So, you know, guys are always guessing and always sitting, and I'll give you an example. Roy Holiday's pitching. I'm in Boston. I'm with the Toronto Blue Jays. Roy Holiday's pitching. I'm playing second base. Manny Ramirez. Sinker, sinker, sinker. Strike one, strike two, strike three. Bat never came off his shoulder. Second at bat. Cutter, sinker, cutter, strike three. 
six pitches, six strikes, never picked the bat off his shoulder. Wow. Bottom of the the eighth. Um, He was either Ortiz or Trot Nixon. Somebody walked. Oh, oh, curveball. Goodbye. Home run. Huh? Bert, he was sitting on the curveball all day. All day. Oh, oh, curveball. Manny hit it over the freaking signs over the wall. And Roy turned around and just was like smiling, like going, I can't. He was sitting on sitting this on all day. Yeah. How stupid am I? Why did I throw it? And we, yeah, yeah we it? lost two to one. Who, who's the hard, who hits the ball the hardest you've ever seen? Stanton or Manny? Stanton. No, it's not. It's, a, it's like a superhuman hitting a baseball. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. The percussion coming off the screen when I would flip to him. Yeah. Dude, I had to stay three feet back by the wow. to release the ball because the first thing you do is check the net, see <laughs> how far the net comes. And then you stay. I'm telling you, the percussion hits you in the face. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Really? Oh, Can you man. imagine That's guys like a with aluminum bats, Frankie? <sighs> no, 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 no. No chance. Did they ever take him out for BP or anything? Just no. They could hit him. No, no, no. That's no. That's no chance. Yeah. That's, <laughs> so Stanton, Stanton used to make me bring the, the screen up really close, and I would, I would, I would go. No, I'm not. Oh, come on! I, I said I'll move back and I'll flip it faster. But I am not. I said not. To, Hits this post and comes back, hits you in the head. Are you out of your mind? I used to have to angle the screen. <laughs> now, in Philly. He's 120 velo. Oh. It, it's, dude, it, it, I can't, it's hard to describe. It really is. But in Philly, the cage, the visiting cage is so narrow right. that we almost got to put the plate in the middle of the cage. You can't have lefty and righty. It's got to always be moved back and forth. They have padded walls padded all the walls. way around. Yes, they the do. Hard, right. And then they got the net really close to it. Well, what good is that doing? I mean, it's, it hits the net, hits the pad, and ricochets off. So I used to bring a bungee cord, pull the net, and attach it to the L screen. Well, I used to have to throw to him before the game. So I would throw like as hard as I could, fastball, slider, curveballs. I used to throw to him. And he hit one, and it knocked my – this is before the game. He hit one. And it knocked my bungee cord off, and I was like, oh, the hell with it. I threw a fastball. He hits it right through the L screen hole, hits off the wall, hits me in my left forearm, right below my elbow, and took all the hair off my arm. Are you serious? Wow. Oh, my God. I reacted like, holy shit. I had an instant black and blue, and I looked at him, and I said, F this, I'm done. I'm done. No, 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 no. Two more, two more. And I just exploded. Two more? Look at my arm. And then he looks at me. He looks at me and he goes, better get some ice on that. Like, oh, man. Man. Yeah, he was laughing. Took the oh, hair off. man, wow. we got to go out one night, Frank. Oh, oh, man. Took the hair off your <laughs> arm, man. Took oh. the hair right off my arm. Real quick. People, this, people have no idea, Frank. People have no idea. I say this all no. the time. The, I know. The world, would, the world would be a better place if every human had to, once in their life face 100 miles an hour in a cage just to see it, right? Just to see what the hell it's like. You're talking 120 miles an hour exit velo. So, I mean, it's just like bombs going off. I mean, it, I've watched BP in, a, in the cage you're talking about at Citizens Bank. Narrow cages and that padding at the back. And the sound of professional hitters hitting the back of the of the, pad, the padding there and the, and the noise it makes. And that's through the glass. You know, you're in a diamond club. You're through that thick glass. You could still hear the padding like firecrackers going off. And and you can't even see the ball off the bat. It's just like swing, exit, bang on the padding. You're like, oh my god! You know, professional hitters are unbelievable. Chuck, Seton Hall, Seton Hall, your alma mater. They they bring us in. It was me and another outfielder from Virginia. So they got uh, Rick Cerrone and Craig Biggio are working out in a ton, in a in a cage. Right. And Mo Vaughn's a, a junior. And he's swinging, Frank. Remember the old Black Magics with the just the yellow on yeah. them? Yeah. Mo Vaughn swinging a Black Magic in a cage. 
because they had Mo take us to lunch and everything, you know. My God, that that was like the only time I seen a major leaguer with aluminum bat. And I'm sure that still wasn't as hard as what Stanton was doing. You know what I mean? Mm. And Mo was a big, Mo was a big dude, you know. Um, So the coach, real quick, the coach we had, so we win this national championship. Next year, A-Rod plays on the team that that me and Frankie played on. Then he gets, uh, he had the guy uh, from Texas. Oh, he was with the Yankees. He, He had the drug problem. He hit all the home runs. Oh, it's Josh Hamilton. Josh Hamilton. Yeah, Josh Hamilton. Johnny Damon played there. And he, who was the out, the other center fielder from the Boston? Johnny Damon. Johnny Damon. So yeah, well, so he's got all these major leaguers, Chuck, on this team. Um, and like I said, we had two, two or three, if you count JJ. Um, it's it, it, it's incredible. And I ran into him. I was coaching at Ryder University, and uh, mm-hmm. I ran into Ford at one of these showcases and stuff. Same guy, Frankie. Do you still see any of them guys? I see JJ, Pecola. Um, but Weglars and all those guys? No. Sally? No. No? I, I don't know. Damn. <laughs> I was going to tell Chuck about the story with Silvio and the pizza, but I can't do that all on the air. <laughs> well, we're going to have Frank. We're going to get Frank back. Frank, do you, have a, do you talk to uh, Boa a lot? I used to, when he was coaching, I used to talk to him. And then when, if we ever acquired some players that he had, I would call him up and ask him about them. Yeah, give us a little background on Bo in a few words. A fiery, always hustled, right? Uh, oh, I loved him. Loved I him. loved him as a coach, too. Right, did you? That's good. He gets a lot out of his players. I mean, he made Robbie Cano every day early work, every day doing stuff. Right. If right. you wanted to be great, he'll he'll make you great. That's something. He's always. Won. I think it kills him to see these guys today, too, Chuck. Yeah. Absolutely. But to kills Frank's... Him to see these rules. It kills him to see these rules, and it kills him to see uh, the players with all the talent and who's just swinging up that shouldn't be swinging up and all that stuff. Oh, oh it's, it's an epidemic. Yeah. For Frank, one, one thing I wanted to ask you is just to get your opinion on, on, on uh, a guy like Kyle Schwarber. Maybe not specifically short, but just a guy like him where he's a heavy pull, heavy shift guy. His average has been really struggling. He's under 200 now this year. And you look at a guy like that and you're saying, why can't he learn to go the opposite way? Is that because they don't practice it or the game is just too difficult where they're, they're just stuck in his, he's going to pull the ball regardless. And he's very, he's just not going to learn to really drive that ball to left field down the line, anything like that. He's in a modern day Adam Dunn. Right. Yeah, and he's paid to hit homers, right, Frank? Well, that's part of it, and you know what? You get in these small stadiums, and it's so much com- it's so much um, more comfortable to try and pull, even though it's harder to pull. You got to be perfect, mm-hmm. and you know a guy like Schwaber, he has a good eye too. He does, and he gets frustrated, and it's not just him. A lot of these guys who have good eyes get frustrated when the umpires play a little bit with speed up rule, but the strike zone. So, you know, you, you, you get pulled in different ways, but, hey, you know, as a hitting coach, you could sit there and you know Kevin Long's doing it. You know all these hitting coaches are doing it. Hey, use the whole field. The best hitter ever, Barry Bond. The other best hitter I've ever seen was Ichiro. Listen, oh. they use the whole field. You have to be able to use the whole field. And some games, you're going to have to just take your base hit. You're going to have to just take what they're giving you, especially when they're throwing you 60, 70% off speed, you know? So you got to use the whole field. And it's hard as a hitting coach sometimes to get through to these guys. And JT Riamuto, if you're not using the whole field, you have oppo juice. Right. You know, I used to fight with him all the time. Quit looking for the ball in all the time. You got to be, you need extension. Extension is your friend. You got to be able to drive that ball in Philly to right field. And, he finally realized it in Miami when he hit an opposite field homer before they moved the fences in. And I was like, do you understand now? Wow. Depth determines direction. That's my biggest thing. Depth determines direction. Depth determines launch angle. You don't think about launch angle. It's all contact points. Contact. Depth determines direction. Great point. Be able to control the depth of the baseball. 
That's such a great point. Wow. People get so hung up on the launch angle dialogue, right? Contact point. Yeah, it's, it's, well, it's, it's, we used to do a, I used to do a simple thing to show guys, Frankie, if I'm trying to punch you and I, and you're, you know, two feet away from me, I can't, I can't really hurt you. Now, when you're, when you're a foot away from me and I could punch you, it's the same thing as a baseball, isn't it? You want the ball to get inside. You want to hit within your body. Yeah. You know, you know, Christian Yelich, never. I don't think he popped up to the infield in like four years. <laughs> really? Really? That's unbelievable. Because, <laughs> yeah, he never swung outside his body. When he swung and missed, it was the same swing as a double single homer. It was the same swing. He never, you never see him lunge out in front, release his hand. You never see none of that stuff. He hit within his body. And when he's not hitting well, He's trying to pull the ball too much because pull is comfort. You know, I want to drive the ball. You get starved for hard contact and you start working out front and then they got you by the, you know, they got you by the balls right there. I'll tell you one thing, Frank, and I don't, I'm not doing this to, to, uh, you know, toot your horn, but you had one year very close to a thousand OPS outfield Stanton for sure. Azuna was like 980, and Yelich was right there. That's almost a thousand per player. Now you got to take some credit. These guys put those numbers up. It's not all because of just your skill. You're the batting coach, right? And you, I had them when they were babies. You had them when and they were the babies. First thing I, yep. Yeah, yeah, man. And the first thing I taught them. The first thing I did in Miami was go over strike zone awareness drills. You know, controlling the strike zone and not just swinging predetermined swings and fastball counts. You got to be able to control the strike zone. Where am I looking? What am I going to do with it? You got to be able to say, where is it? There it is during your loading action to control the strike zone. You got to be able to pick a third of the plate, then pick two thirds of the plate, and then have a good two strike approach where you don't get beat out front. So when it's okay to strike out, it's okay to hit 200 with, with, with 25 homers, and yet you're going to get paid for it. Wow, they just made the game real easy. Let's just go up there and hack. That's so it. the game permits what these guys do. How they get paid, you know, tells them what they should do. So why doesn't Stanton say, Frankie, why doesn't Stanton say to, to the management, look, you know, when it comes available, I want, I want, you know, Frankie here if they're looking for a hitting coach. Does any of them guys ever request you or, you know? You know, I'm sure they do, but you know some some organizations are just yeah. going to do what they want to do. Well, our last right. last question I've got, Frank, is so great having you on. We can't wait to have you back. This has just been fascinating. <laughs> um, when it comes to player discipline, you know, I I was once told by uh, Cashman of the Yankees at a dinner we were lucky enough to get one on one with him for two hours, and I was talking about you know champion a run for Bobby Bray for for Hall of Fame. And he got me aside and said, are you going to put any money into your efforts? I said, well, it's going to take out some advertising, you know, in the, in the New York papers. Well, he said, don't bother. He said, Hall of Fame numbers, absolutely. Work ethic, off-campus work in between seasons, not at all. And so as far as players' discipline goes, there are guys that work off-season at their trade really hard, and there's players that just put the glove down and show back up at spring training. Is that fair? No, it's not fair, but some guys are more talented than others, and some guys know what they have to do to get ready. Right, right. You know, some guys have really good spring trainings and then have a good April, and then they're tired by June. Some guys have really bad spring trainings, and when the bell rings, boom, boom. they take off. How about that? Yeah. Everybody knows what they have to do, but I think the biggest misconception and the biggest thing that players do now they do wrong is they don't listen to the instructors in Major League Baseball that they signed with. They look to get better, and they look to go and who's got the, the private hitting coach and who's got this and who's got – let me go try to get the next greatest thing. Sometimes getting better in the offseason means being more consistent at what you already do, and you can be the better player. There's no need to reinvent your swing. Mm -hmm. I, I can't stand it when people say, it's my swing, it's my swing. It's not your swing. It's not your swing. Your swing is not bad. You got drafted. You've had success. Don't tell me your swing is bad. When you can hit line drives off the tee and you can hit line drives 
off a 50-mile-an-hour guy or go in the cage and hit line drives and, and, and drive the ball to the wall, it's not your swing. Mm-hmm. So get more consistent at your approach. Get more consistent at seeing the ball. Try to see the ball as big as you can. Try to control your body breaks by being early and soft. Soft landings. Your takes tell you everything. And you take the same swing and same takes and practice in the game off of 95. That's the goal. That's the goal. When you could do that, you're going to be the best player you could be. Boy, you and Charlie uh, Manuel must talk the same language. You know, Jim Tomey and I are really good friends, and he says, I, he goes, you, everything you say is like Charlie Manuel. Everything you say. How about that? But I, I, I learned a lot of my stuff as a player asking the best hitters. I go right up to him and ask him, hey, what do you do about this? Hey, what do you, when you're thinking about this, you know, I would go up to him and they would tell me. They would tell me, you know, I'm just a little second baseman, no, no threat to them, no threat to – I would go right up to him, hey, how do you do that? Right. What are you doing? <laughs> right. I was always intrigued. I'd ask the best hitters. It must have been crazy to watch Stanton in batting practice. Was that insane to watch this guy take BP? Well – a lot of times, Stanton would try to be the the Wade Boggs in BP. Okay. Hit line, nice. soft liners here, soft liners there. Okay, but the home run hitting contest and batting practice in LA is the best batting practice he ever does because he's looking to drive the ball and hit it hard. And in order to do that, you have to do everything right. Even for him, who could miss hit a ball and it goes out, he could do everything wrong and the ball goes out. He wanted to be a good hitter. He wanted to hit three hundred. But when he would get in there and let it fly, he would be early and he would get the head out and he would drive the ball from foul pole to foul pole out of the yard. Let's go clean out the pipes today. None of this pushing the ball to right and all these little shitty swings. <laughs> let it fly. Let's clean up the pipes today. Oh, man. Yeah. Are we going to have your ass back, but quick. <laughs> Wait, real quick. I got one last question. I always say this because we were always talking about guys' bodies breaking down, and I know that you know 162 games is, is grueling. But how? What's the percentage of guys? I'm not saying use illegal stuff, but how how much? How many guys are using just stuff that I that I blame for breaking their bodies down? It's not the stuff they're taking. It's not okay. the illegal stuff. It's not the stuff that they're taking. It's their workout regimens. And they're doing too much before the game. Okay. And they should be doing more stuff after the game. What could you possibly get out of working out before the game? Right. And then after the game, shower and go home. When back when I played and everybody, you know, did you know, had their workout plans, and I'm sure some teams still do it now. After the game, you work out and you give everything you have left that you had left over from the game, and that'll be good enough. And Bob Alejo used to make us do heavy weight, low reps. So I'd go in and I hated working out during the season. I freaking hated it. I didn't want to be sore. I didn't want to be tight. I was always definitely afraid of pulling a muscle. And, you know, I'd go in there and I'd do four exercises, three sets of three, three sets of five. Boom, I'm out of there in 20 minutes. And I kept my strength and I never felt sore and I never got tight. But you keep your strength. A lot of right. these guys with all this stuff, you know, they think they could do all these bands and stuff to get ready instead of actually going out there, getting a sweat. You know, you warm up to throw. You don't throw to warm up. You warm up to run. Right? You don't run to warm up. You have to get a sweat. You have to get in there, stretch, get a sweat, run your full eight hard sprints. Don't let your first hard sprint be in the game. Get ready to play. Yeah. But a lot of times you're making 750000 and, you know, it's pretty cool to be on the DL and you're still getting paid and, you know, hey, yeah, no big deal if I'm hurt. <laughs> back when I played, if you got hurt, you got sent to spring training and you weren't coming back until that player that replaced you sucked. Right. <laughs> yeah, right? Right. Some... right. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is great. Well, Frank. Dude, it was great talking to you. We're going to have you back. Uh, where, where are you residing now? Are you in the New York area? Are you down south? Where are you? I'm in Staten Island right now. My mom passed away oh, a month ago. Sorry to hear that. Staying, yeah, I'm staying with my dad, so I'll be around here for a while. Frankie, how's your, how's your dad doing, Frankie? 
He's doing good. He had his neck fused. He had all six oh. vertebrae in his Oof. neck fused. Wow. But he's still, he's still, he's still the same. All right, listen, my man. Thanks for coming on, Coach. Look for it. We'll be in touch. And uh, this was a blast. So many insights. Thank you a million. Have a great Monday. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me, guys. See you, Frank. Take care, fellas. Wow. Ray, uh, can't thank you enough, bud. That was illuminating. That was the oh. best, probably the best interview we've ever had. That was amazing. I didn't want to say that because I don't know who listens. That was, I that. mean, this that was just stories that yeah. the back and no, forth. That was just not, amazing. not close, but not close. And that's the, all all respect to everybody that's ever been. Uh, always, yeah. That it, was just it, amazing because you knew in your vibe, you're getting your heart, you're like jumping around going, "Oh, this is good. This is good. This is good." It, I've never heard that many different types of baseball stories like yeah, that. I mean, the stand, the stand. One with the oh band God. and it gets the taking the hair. That's just insane. I mean, are you, you kick it over? And <laughs> the way that this he would say, "I'm screaming at another player," and none of it's directed towards him. It's all to Stanton, who's five feet behind the guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the psychology, the background. This is the yep. stuff that you just yep. wish you wish. you could see. Like you always wish. I wish I could hear an umpire talk the whole game. Yep. You wish yep. you could hear these guys coach because it's such a different level, and you can't get this anywhere else. I, you know. That's... He's clearly not a first of all. He's clearly not a pansy ass. No, absolutely. I mean, not. walking up, walking up to the tryout, it was Frank. He was catching, and a brawl started, and he he's the first one fighting. Oh, I'm sure that's the first thing I saw was Frankie knocking the you know hitting the hitter. <laughs> I mean, it was it was it was insane. But it was the greatest team I ever you know was a part of, and um. Man. That's the kind of coach you listen. Do you hear him talking? You you gonna you gonna say anything? Does he sound like a guy you're gonna listen to? Man, Absolutely. You know, you damn straight. I, I, you damn straight. You're gonna I to thought him. we'd talk about you know the year that he had a three war in Major League Baseball twenty one or two thousand one. We didn't. I thought we'd talk about the year where he had two seventy five eight twenty four slash. We didn't. And that was at thirty three years old. By the way, okay, he was yeah. getting up there. We didn't talk about any of his major league career because his input and his insights were so illuminating that just had to let him run. But, uh, boy, to talk about wetting your appetite to have a guy back where maybe we could pick three or four focus points, right, with a little background research and uh, unleash him once again on, on something that we know will be unbelievable to talk about. But that, that was just great. I hope we really can... How old would you guess his dad is now? I mean, we're talking about somebody that's, you know, way up there. Yeah, he's got to be in his late 70s. Oh, maybe. um, That's not a midland. Okay. The the crazy thing is, Chuck, is just remembering him as as a high school player. And, you know, I don't, it's, it's like it's not 30 years have gone by, but just look at the, not the player, but just like the love of hitting this guy has, and the way he talks about hitting, it's like it's a whole, lifelong. It's a whole language, like it's a whole different language. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, whole language. Can you imagine? Yeah, I'm, I, and I'm just thinking of what this guy learned. I'm so all those I'm years. so humbled today because like a complete dope. Uh, I thought I knew a lot about major league hitting, and while I understand everything he says to hear how he laces it together and, and distills it. Uh, I'm just sitting here shaking my head going, Oh yeah, I couldn't coach anybody on that. I wouldn't know to say that. I wouldn't know to look for this. I mean, that's it's a professional talking about his craft. Um, but the detail, it, it, it's so funny with the words he was using and whatnot. I'm like, this truly is a science that we're talking about here. You know? Um, well, you know, when you're looking for a curveball, you can't you can't uh, take one down the dick. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You, we're gonna play between the pipes. Yeah, play between the pipes. Oh, we're gonna clean the field up today. How many things? How many? Oh my God! The innuendo, all the stuff he can talk about. The you know of the game. Oh. Yeah. So what? What I'd love to do is I'd love to get him out to dinner. ASAP and then talk about we can culture a little bit about some topics because the best there's no doubt the best is yet to come with that guy. And I know we're pressed for time here a little bit with uh, yeah, it's rant time, rant and rave. It's can we just touch on the Phillies, skip the Phillies? How about Harper coming out of the dugout, you like, don't like what right? Yeah, yeah. it's gonna happen you a know, couple I times. Mean, uh, 
listen, these guys, very rarely, rarely do you see, yeah, you're right. uh, you know, a punch that could really hurt someone or, you know, the coaches and um, everyone, you know, of course the stars are getting grabbed first. You know, yeah. they're not letting no. Harper throw a punch. And you know, Schwarber would be on his back, yeah. pulling him out. Yeah. And, but um, I do like to see it. I was pumped to five, you know, I, I guess I'll rant real quick. I, I was pumped to see the five-game winning streak uh, when it came to an end. Um, but I think, you know, we, we got over the hump. Hopefully we can stay over 500. And I just want to say, like you said, Chuck, just talking to Frankie as if we were a couple guys over a beer. Yeah. I mean, this podcast is so good. It should have 20,000 listeners. It really should. Thank you. I mean, nobody puts out what, what you, you know, you guys put I out. I got to tell you, here. I'm satisfied. Show, yeah. I mean, to that point, and I know it can always get better, but all I'm thinking today is insatiable appetite to get more out of Frank. We're just meeting this guy, okay? And Bala yeah. still manages to make it extremely entertaining every time. As does oh. Charlie. So we're rotating Frank, Bo, and Skipper. I'm good. I know there's other people we could get in our net. Guess what? I'm good. I'd rather become more familiar with those three and build that culture with the three of them than dilute it by having 20 because I just think that the th- we're very blessed to have those three. And uh, and I get the text from Charlie, when am I coming back on? I'm like, yeah, this is so cool. Charlie asking when he's coming back on, you know? So, uh, well, Chuck, you got, you got a world, you got a world series champion coach. You got world series champion player, player right? Yeah, man. You got, yeah. you got a guy who's the king of Japan. Cause they, Charlie's still the king of Japan. And, guy, and then you got a guy Frank. from the Bronx. A guy, it was that out. Totally right. Yeah. Yeah. Said you got Frankie Manichino. We got to talk off the, you know, we got to talk offline for that. He was everything you said he uh, would be. And uh, yes, Richie, you can leave the podcast language in today. It can go unedited. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, he warrants that. Okay, Chad. The people deserve. Yeah, people yeah, deserve. Yeah, he earned it. He earned it. He earned it. Yeah. So my rant, uh, call me the the broken horse, uh, but. Uh, yeah, so here we go. Schwarber's down one seven eight two nine four below three hundred on base, three ninety slug, which is what your single setters put up, and six eighty five OPS. Your singles, your single hitters are better than that. Let's look at May forty three at bats. Yeah, sample size, okay. Check these numbers out for a minute. It's a slash line, one sixteen batting average, one ninety one on base. Way to set the table. Three two six slug, I like I think that's my weight and five seventeen OPS, uh, and that's with his three arm runs in there. People, oh, what do you, what do you? you know, our our own coach said, what about the home runs? When asking that, told him the numbers. The home, coach, the home runs are baked into OPS and slug. Coach, come on. So that's Schwarber in May. Now this weekend, even though he was not given errors. Okay, and I don't know how big a hit it went to DRS because I don't know that runners advanced on it. Very few balls were fielded cleanly in left field. He's so hesitant now. Lacks He lacks confidence completely. He's going in there very gingerly tiptoeing. Looks like a ballerina. And he kicked one ball soccer style this weekend, a few extra feet. It's, it's starting to get to the point where, uh, you know, uh, we got to do something because the guy batting 116 isn't helping you in May. And there's subs that can. So I got. I would love to see what would have happened if, remember, Hoskins is supposed to be on this team. 32 home runs, 30 doubles, 64, a couple triples. You're not going to bench 70 extra base hits and a 365 on base percentage. You're not benching that. So Hoskins would be starting. Now think about with Castellanos having an all-star year, now make your lineup, all right, with Harper. Uh, what, what are you going to do? Sit in Marsh? I don't think so. So what do you do there, right? That's Where, where are you putting Harper? DH? Uh, Harper, if he's healthy, wants to play. Okay, so what, yeah. what's going to happen now? Think about the line. You know, I'm putting that question out there for the first time. I said Saturday on the radio, 
and I don't know how many people are listening here at the 55th minute, but uh, that Schwarber should not start in Major League Baseball right now the last two years. Forget the 46 home runs. With that, his war was terrible, and his minus 0.6 minus this year. He may not get back to positive. And that's with his nine home runs. So people, oh, you're not counting home I am counting home runs. It's in his war. But base running, fielding, throwing, not hitting any doubles, not hitting enough singles, brings it all down. 200 strikeouts brings it all down. But 116, 116 until in May? Treat, until they treat war, Okay, like they should, You're right. and explain it to people, right. and 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 make it as as as, uh, as po- not popular, but as uh, yeah. you know, prevalent as home runs and RBIs. You know, war. You know, make it the third thing, and then it would be. Yeah, yep. people would say, "Well, yeah, he had forty home runs, but his war was, you know." Yep. So it's crazy too because he won a silver slugger and was sixteenth in MVP last year. Yeah. And his of true value, his true value was so far, so far, not anywhere close to and that. It's, it's unfathomable. It. And the GMs of the game, the lords of the game, don't understand it. Okay, Buckholz, not Buck Buckholz. What's our guy's name? Dombrowski. You know, what's his name? Help me out, guys, please. Dombrowski. Anybody help me yeah, out? Yeah, Dombrowski. Chad, Chad's looking at me. Here's I mean, you the, got the same guy in Dombrowski. I know the, that. But. Here's the millennium on the show. Picture Chad looking at me with his hands up in the air, Ray going, I don't know, Dombrowski? Yeah. But, but uh, look what Frankie said. He said, look, I, I can hit 220, hit 46 home runs, and I'm going to get a raise. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. it's what they're paying. And listen. So why not do it, you know? Because you the, know, I think we fail to realize what Mike Schmidt did for his whole oh, career. Yeah, that's that's you know, Schmidt wasn't yeah. no two eighty hitter every year. No, I hate but, to say, but yeah, you know, you know. that's a whole other podcast. But when you look at this guy in left field, you look at him on the bases. You look at his arm lack of strength. You look at his two hundred home runs. All he does is lift up for the home run. His time, yep. he, you know, he doesn't go for the single where he should. I've seen him do it a couple times with two strikes. I have. Not often enough, but I mean, at a certain point, if it continues, I know June brings better things. You know, April, May showers, you know, bring the shoreboards June results. Well, we'll see because he's got a lot of lifting to do to get back to anywhere close to what's called major league average, average major league player. He is 190th. Okay. I mean, it's just. Terrible. Does, yeah. does it not, I, I wish next week Chad could come back with, uh, with you know their record at this point last year. Does it not feel just like last year, yeah. though? Yeah, it is. Do, do we yeah. not sound just like last year? This we, guy sucks. That guy sucks. That's be, I mean, seriously. That's because their run production, below major league average. Their pitching, below major league average. Their walks let dead last in baseball yeah, walks for are, the Marlins. Yeah, I was going to say the, the big problem offensively is the walks. walks. They don't walk. Chad got it. Chad's always yeah, got second it. second last in baseball, and that's that can't happen. You can't be sixth in average, top 10 or 12, whatever, an OPS and slug, but you dead last, second to last in walks, that can't happen. What are they, not baseball IQ smart? I mean, And that's accounting like for a guy like Schwarber who does walk a lot. Yeah. And there's like Stott, Turner, those guys don't know how to walk. And that's that's the problem. That's when they get in slumps. If you know how to walk, you may get in a slump where you're not hitting, but you're still getting on base and contributing. On base. Instead, you have these games where Stotts 0 for 4, Turner's 0 for 4. Where's your walk, walk in there? You get one walk in and one base hit from the next guy, and all of a sudden you have a threat now to score two runs. You got second yeah. and third or first and second, and you don't get that. Instead, you get a walk, an isolated hit, and then something happens, double play, ground out, pop up, and that's why you're not scoring five runs per game or in the upper echelon of like other teams. Which is why lineup construction matters. Oh, absolutely. You got the guys walking who have the on-base percentage, and they get on base, and you got the guys going two for four below them, just like Saturday night's game. It was stacked perfectly. He had two hits leading off, no hits but two walks. That's uh, Turner, and two hits, two hits, and you had run production. That's why the lineup matters. Yeah, there's no doubt right now you either need Harper second, Castellanos third, or... Harper third, Casty fourth, because those guys are the 
the, the stamps in this team right now, the solid hitters. And then where you want to put Turner first, I guess, or second, mix it up, try it Schwerber out. as soon as hit the three-run homer this weekend, you knew one damn thing. He was never dropping down, right? He's never dropping down from fifth, yeah. right? He, he, he I can, think he's fine in fifth. I really do. He well, gives some but, home run. Well, in May, one sixteen, one ninety one. I mean, that's three. a really that's really bad. But I I think that ah. there there's there's still a home run threat, which gives Casty a lot of protection in fourth. Yeah, and there's not really many Shoot. other guys hitting too well. I mean, if there's a lefty, I'd rather see Bohm fifth because Bohm is a great hitter against lefties. Marsh maybe warrants spot I could, because I could he's been four hot. Guys, but, I'd put him in front of him right now because none of those four guys are batting one sixteen in May. Yeah, I get that, but you st- there's still a home run threat that a lot of a lot of pitchers. Oh my God, I think I'm talking to the skipper. Jesus Christ! Well, a right? lot of a lot of pitchers. Me, right? A lot of pitchers do fear home run threat. There is a like a little that. bit of a mind trick with with Schwarber up played. there. Yeah, I played with the scene all. I played, I was running a baseball team. That's all I'm saying. All right. Is that your rant, by the way? I guess it is. Yeah, we're getting long, so we're I guess long. that's it. I'm hoping Frankie gets another job so we, me and Chuck could go in the in the clubhouse. Oh, man, I'll tell you what. We got to get him another job. and we I can't wait to have a steak with him and just talk the stuff that he could tell us today, you know? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Good show. Right, let's, let's wrap it up. As always, you can find us, speakingofsportspod.com, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. It's always at speakingofsports. You'll find us there. Any questions for, that you have for Frank or Charlie or Boa, uh, you know, text them, 609-828-5569. That's Chuck's number. Give us your questions. We'll be happy to incorporate them into the show. And I uh, hope everyone has a good week. Next show is tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, it'll be the Daily Show. Yeah, tomorrow. Ray and I are off for two weeks. Right. And I think, we'll, right? We'll <laughs> yeah, go daily, 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 skip daily. Daily, daily, daily. Then sounds like a weeks. bunch of dailies. We'll have a guest uh, two weeks from now. It'll be Bo or Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait to get Frank back. That's a wrap, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs>